Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Good Trash Owner Cast. Whoa. That, don't do that. Oh, don't do that I'm to us. So whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm so excited. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm so excited. You've got to Look, ease us in. Guys, I've got to dispel some stuff. Hit it. Dis- the, dispel? The, the myths you've heard about me oh. aren't quite as romantic as uh, the movies make it out to be. Is that right, Arthur? Um, you don't understand how hard it is to be taking a bath when the Lady of the Lake just decides to <laughs> throw her hand up and okay, feel so- around with a sword. <laughs> I'm imagining that Freddy Krueger scene right now. Yeah. Is, is it kind of like that? Yeah, it's a like real one? pain in the butt, <laughs> oh, if you will. <laughs> Picture that, if you will. Oh, I, I am. I, it uh, is a joy. I'm just saying. You know, people expect you to pull stuff you know out what, of rocks. Dude, being Arthur's, Arthur's a hard name. It's a rough one. Look, I expect you're into it, though. <laughs> you know, hey, look. I'm not here to judge. Yeah, bathtubs are a good place. Uh, look, somebody named Dalton, I get it, man. Yeah. Names, sometimes you get sad with a name that's hard to live up to. I know. Thank they, God nobody did anything called Dustin. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, good. Nobody did anything called Dustin. Yeah, that's pe- correct. People are trying to get <laughs> Arthur. Including to, me. <laughs> people are trying to get Arthur to fish swords out of rocks and unite tribes. I'm God, trying to, people listen, are trying to get me to bounce happening. guys out of bars. Just yeah, because you know, some watery tart throws <laughs> his sword does not mean that you should be the ruler of a government. I'm just saying. Well, I thank we'll, you. Uh, we'll talk about monarchies. You don't know how many times I've had to turn down. Leadership positions, mayoral roles, you know. Mayoral roles. It indeed. is what it is. Yeah, no, one time uh, when we were all at uh, UCO together, we were walking past that little uh, pond. Arthur just gets a scimitar lobbed at him, hits him with the hilt, <laughs> and they're trying to make him president of the university. <laughs> I am Guy not can't walk three feet past a body of water without somebody throwing blades at him. But. It's, 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 hey, guys, welcome yeah, again you to the Trash Genre Cast, and uh, we're so glad you're all here. And we're talking about the kid who would be king. Indeed. Who is not Arthur. His name is Alex, mm. which is close. Not cool. Alexander. Not cool. Not cool. Not cool. We'll get into it. Alexander the okay. Is Alexander the okay. Uh, <laughs> the very, stories will not be read about him. <laughs> Alexander the very all right, and we'll talk more about him in a few minutes. I'm still Dustin. I'm still Dalton. I'm still Arthur. And uh, we're going to be doing this thing that we're about to do. Um, what is this thing that we're about to do? Well, the thing that we're about to do is continue our 2019 wrap up, uh, guys. I was looking at my letterbox counts. Uh, the last three years, I've averaged about uh, 60 new releases a year, thereabouts. I am at. 35 for That's catching up to do. Yeah, so part of that is we're watching 2019 releases the, for the last couple of shows of the year. Because we got to round out Dalton's letterbox list. Well, look, we all kind of agreed on this as a, as a whole, and now I'm hey, glad we did. Hey, letterbox. Hey, letterbox. <laughs> Dear letterbox, this is Dustin. I miss you. I'll be back, but I also you got, don't you, care. You watch a lot of movies. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for you to keep up. Dustin yeah. always starts strong and then just tapers Stops out. Caring. Yep. Uh, but this is my my 2019 blind spot. Uh, I heard a lot of good things about this at the top of the year. I'm excited for us to talk about it. Uh, we don't do a lot of children's films on the show, uh, just because we don't. Uh, so it was, you know, I thought it would be fun for us to visit this. Film. Now you told us you were going to appear the the code. I will be upholding the code this episode. This will be my first clean episode in seven years of the podcast. I'm gonna do my best. I give it not, two minutes. I'm gonna. Oh, now it's now the gauntlet's been thrown. All right, no, see. you heard you heard it here first, listener. No curses, no blasphemes, uh, no potty talk whatsoever. We'll see. But before we get into Harry Potter and the lightsaber of destiny, um, <laughs> what I want to tell you is um, this is not an analysis. This is not a review show. No, it's not. It's it is an, an analysis. It's show. an analysis. It's show. not even That's a show. A, show. It's, it's not even a show. Show. Um, and so we're going to spoil the film, even though it's a 2019 release. But we'll avoid those spoilers um, in the first part of the show. We'll have uh, a synopsis, 
and I don't know what it'll be, whether it has any spoilers or not, because Arthur does what he wants, sure. and and nobody puts Baby in a corner. And then we move right along into our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which I can only speak for myself in saying I'll be spoiled light, and I have no idea what these other cats will do. Then we will expand the syllabus, and I honestly assume these people will not care. I will care some. And then finally we get down to analysis, and then I stop caring, and clearly no one else cares anymore. So that is our lack of caring in description for you. It's a real apathetic show. It's a very, very apathetic show regarding the thing called the spoiler. Without any further ado, though, Arthur, let's hear that synopsis, spoiler or spoiler-full or spoiler-free, however you end up rendering it. Following an eight-year absence after his debut feature, Attack the Block, Joe Cornish returns to the picture show with a modern take on a Thurian legend. Young Alex and his pal Betters are your typical outcast underdog types. They have a lot of heart but are prone to bullying. One evening, while running from said bullies, Alex stumbles through a construction site and discovers a mysterious sword stuck in a stone. Hmm. He pulls the sword out and runs on home. Shortly after, weird things start happening and an oddball boy appears looking for him. This boy, known only as Merton, tells Alex he is the heir to Excalibur and must wield it once again to take on the dormant sorceress Morgana. Can Alex find the strength to wield Excalibur, unite his enemies, and uphold the chivalric code? The kid who would be king is a hopeful adolescent adventure that is estimated to have lost the studio around $50 million. Not so hopeful. Well, they wow, were hopeful. $50 million. Yeah. Sorry, Cornish. Yeah, and it's Damn. set up for a sequel, clearly. Oh, shoot. There we go. Oh, shoot. I dropped a D word. <laughs> and it's never going to happen. You well, got to put a quarter in the swear I'll jar. I'll put a quarter in. Hey, look, that's a, that's a, PG, already, that's a PG swear. You dropped the that's gauntlet. That's a PG nope, swear. Nope, nope. I'm still going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to maintain. I, I can come back from this. <laughs> okay. So I am sad, though. I, I am also sad for Joe Cornish, Arthur. Thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Um, Dalton, you're the picker of the film and the picker of your nose. Um, let's hear a little bit about this particular Both movie. of those things are true. Uh, can, it, can a film be both pro and anti-monarchy at the same time? It can't. I agree. Uh, this film tries to thread that needle, and I don't know how well it does. We'll it get fails. We'll get more into the particulars of how we feel about the politics of this film and analysis. They uh, suck. But if Dustin's done interrupting my review, I will continue to say... I'm not. Good. <laughs> He's... Lord, he's testing me. I know he is. Uh, you said you were going to swear. I'm not going to. I would be so. I imagine you. it's being uh, it, it being very 2019 outside. I imagine it's hard to be a child. I don't know. I'm not one anymore. Uh, as my job and my wife keep you reminding are. me, uh, Dustin keeps trying to encourage me to be a child, though, and that makes it a lot harder. Uh, look. It's a scary time to be alive for all of us. Uh, if you have not gone through puberty, I imagine much more so. So with that in mind, I see why Joe Cornish made this movie. Uh, I get it. Uh, I, I think I fundamentally understand where he's coming from. I don't know uh, if Joe Cornish has kids. I didn't do enough research on his life uh, prior to us sitting down. I'm trying to get more and more away from auteur theory, so I try not to. I don't want to fill my brain up with facts about a filmmaker. It makes it too hard not to talk about it on the show. Uh, but. You know, he's not that much older than us. I think he's, uh, I don't know, between uh, me and Dustin somewhere, so he's probably closer to Arthur's age than anybody else's. But, you know, he's early to late 30s. I know he's about that old, uh, thereabouts. And uh, surely he knows children. You don't get to be that old in life without having one or two kids, like, intrude upon your life. Uh, and as soon as children start intruding upon your life and as an adult, you start thinking about uh, how 
terrifying the world is for somebody who can barely understand it, because you can't understand it, that's for sure. Uh, did you read the Mueller report? I didn't. Uh, I did. I, sk- I skimmed some smart people saying things about it. But look, my point is, a lot's going on right now. Uh, I think this is best exemplified and a little on the nose, but I, I like it. Alex is running to school, and he runs by a newsstand, and all the papers just say, like, war. And uh, There's literally two or three that say war. I missed what some of the other ones said, but it was all bad. Uh, and that's the world we live in. Like, you, If you think your children, I don't know if we have any parents that listen to this show. I'm going to say maybe. Uh, but if you know a child, I guarantee you they're a little aware of what's going on right now. They're probably very aware that adults keep shouting about each, at each other about whether or not the world's going to end. That seems horrifying. Uh, and we definitely need children's films for this era. Uh, I like that the kid who would be king tries to do that. I I, I struggle with how successful it is. Dustin has already made up his mind. Uh, I'm still on the fence a little bit, and we'll, we'll see where I end up by the end of the show. But I, I like enough of this film that I had a great time watching it. Uh, I think the third act's kind of a mess and kind of a schlog uh, until probably the last 20. I think the last 20 minutes is fun, but there's uh, a good stretch around the one hour to like the 130 mark that I'm, I got real bored with this movie. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate, because I think the first hour of this is really fun. Uh, I think the first hour is the only good part. Well, I'm okay. You can talk about that when we get to your review. I think Does that, it bother you? I think that little baby Andy Serkis uh, is, a, is, a, is a dream. He's such a good He's kid. Uh, that's a Louis Ashbourne Serkis. Well, not name him by his father. That's what this whole movie's about. Uh, he's a good kid actor. Child performances are weird. Uh, and I think... Uh, him especially is the lead, but I think all of our, our four leads do a really great job of interacting in a relatively realistic manner. I think that the older kids are probably going to be a lot meaner than they actually are to the little kids. But, you know, it's a PG film. Uh, it's not It's not uh, Stand By Me. Uh, maybe it should be more like Stand By Me. I don't know. I didn't make the movie. We'll not talk about that. Uh, I like what it's going for, though. I, I think the score is really great, uh, and I think that is the the element of it that I, I think is kind of a great thesis on like all the things that the film's stitching together. Because the score is doing some things that are like both grand authorian, and also there's some chiptune video game stuff going on. Like it, it's a fun score in that way, mm-hmm. and I think that's what the whole film is going for. It is trying to hit this aesthetic of, you know. Uh, I don't know what they're calling the kids that are like 12 and 15. I don't know if they're part of Gen, Gen Z or not. But they're they're trying to take this 29... The last generation of humans. Probably. They're trying to take this, you know, uh, childlike aesthetic uh, that's all video gamey and skateboardy and, you know, kid stuff. Whatever adults think kids are into. And they're trying to smash it into uh, Arthurian myth. Like, that's cool. Patrick Stewart's Merlin in this movie. That's tight. He also turns into a teenager wearing a Zeppelin shirt who drinks milkshakes out of chicken nuggets. That's a cool thing to have in the movie. I like that. Rebecca Ferguson's Morgana. That's cool. But, you know, also she doesn't have anything to do. And also, uh, don't lie to your kids. We'll talk more about that when we get into analysis. And I, I think that's what we'll, we'll stop, I, I, my review. Because I, I think we'll find the, the minutiae when we get into analysis. But it's an overall mixed bag for me. I'm glad I saw it. I'm very sad that Joe Cornish's movie lost $50 million because I really want to ma- see him make more movies. Uh, you know, they can't all be attack the block. What are you going to do? Uh, I appreciate, though, so much what this is trying to do. Uh, look, I don't know. My kid, my sister's about to have a, a baby. That, that's making me rethink some stuff uh, about my life uh, and everybody's lives. Uh, so I, 
I like I admire the moxie of this film enough that I, I'm going to try to be on its side throughout this episode, listener. We'll see if Dustin can change my mind. I'm going to try not to let him. I'm definitely going to try not to swear at him. Please swear at me. Moving right along. Um, Arthur, what do you think? Dustin is an agent of chaos. Yes, he is. Um, Richie T. Jokes over here. Ugh. I admire uh, a lot about this film. Um, I, I do think it has its problems, especially pacing. Um, I, I'm with Dalton about that back half of the second act is a yeah. real that that whole subplot where they do go to to Tadjul is, is real rough and mm-hmm. unnecessary. Um, I think you could have lived with the the characters a little more and kind of doubled down in their their home turf and, and made it work a little better. Um, you're right. Rebecca Ferguson's great, but she's you know under underused. But I also don't. It's not really about her. You know, she's very much a MacGuffin uh, for this the kind of character drama he's laying out. What I appreciate about this movie, though, is that it is a children's movie for children that doesn't do that hokey thing that most kids. I'm thinking of playing with fire, which is out right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Cena and Keegan Michael Key yeah. and like maybe Johnny Legs or Michael Peña, I can't remember. He's got, he's got a pretty sad cast. Yeah, but it's very much that big, boisterous, over the top, hokey type of. It's condescending. Yeah, and I I do think that uh, the kid who would be king doesn't speak down to its audience. It doesn't treat the kids like idiots. It respects their intelligence. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's very much in the vein of a Goonies mm. in, in that regard. And I, I'd read that comparison uh, in some of the reviews I'd read of this um, today. And I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the scope of it. I, like you said, I think the ambitious uh, nature of what Cornish is attempting here, uh, those sequences when they do go to Tintangel look gorgeous. That cinematography. Yeah. Uh, it's Bill Pope, I believe, the cinematographer here. Um, and it looks gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it, it really harkens back a lot to Lord of the Rings when they're doing those countryside hikes through uh, the wherever they're at in Europe, you know, UK. Um Looks gorgeous. Uh, I I appreciate. It. I, I like this. The what are the the mill whatever they are the the flaming the swordsmen mortis uh, mill morta yeah Mort mill. dang it forgot yeah Mort the mill. flaming skeletons yeah they're cool they're tight I I like Morgana's character design when she's like a weird serpent lady yeah. um, I think this stuff looks cool uh, I I kind of like dress the, very tight I I kind of enjoy the Helm's Deep thing yeah uh, at the end um but you know it, it's a it's a pretty mixed bag I, I do say that I, I I think it's probably one of the stronger Arthur narratives of the last three decades or They've so. They've been trying. Um, and, and so there's probably something to that. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I, I, the kid actors are all great, like you said. Uh, and uh, I also want to shout out to uh, Angus uh, Emery, who does play Merton slash Young Merlin. Uh, the Merton joke is real good. That's his name, Angus Emery? Yeah. Steals the show. Yeah. Holy crap. Every scene actor. he's in, he's phenomenal. He's, a, he's, a, he's also got an uh, uncannily long neck. Um, there's some sequences where his neck looks like three feet long, uh, which is kind of weird. Um, he sneezes and turns into an owl. I appreciate that. Uh, I hate it when that's a good bit. There's a, there's a bit, uh, about the, uh, uh, beetle urine or beaver urine in the, the drinks beaver and the, urine, the beetle in the dye. Brown bone. Yeah. Yeah. And then the chicken nuggets and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's so, it's, it's a, a funny fun bit. pot shot. Yeah. Uh, and so there are some moments like that. I think it does have some, some highlights, um, and uh, I think we did kind of sleep on it. I, 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 you yeah. know, I wish more people had seen it. Um, and I, I could see it being reappraised in five to ten years. I, I sure. do think it has that kind of uh, substance to it. Uh, that being said, initial watch, I, I do think it's a bit of a mess. Um, like you said, I think the first hour is rock solid. I do, I do. But when they start going on their adventure and it starts getting a little too 
adventure I guess. I think that character drama, when they're wrestling with those questions of, you know, my parents and my friends and who am I, I, I think it's really, you know, strong there. Um, and so, you know, it is what it is. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. It is what it is, says Arthur Gordon. I'd say that's an uh, The pool quote. Put yep. that on the cover. It, Boom. It, it, right there on the box, baby. And it is Luke Skywalker and the Elder Wand of Camelot. Um, well, I mean, they d- does them name-checking uh, their references in, in the film not do anything for you? It make makes you more, it make you angrier? suck worse. Yeah, um, I figured. But that being said, I'm, uh, the child actors do fine. I mean, I do very much like Lucius Malfoy playing Lancelot. Um, I'm a fan of that. It's a good turn because Lancelot's kind of a villain and more daughter. Mm-hmm. And so I'm okay with that. And you, I, you mean not literally, right? You mean a Lucius Malfoy type? Yeah, yeah. Because that, that kid's my age. Yeah, yeah. It's not the same kid. No, no, just a blonde okay. evil kid. No, gotcha, it's not, gotcha. It's not Tom What's his bucket. Gotcha. Um, just it, making sure we're on the same page. Yeah, no, no. Just he looks like a Lucius Malfoy. Sure. Like, they definitely cast a Tom, what, Tom Felton. Yeah, Tom, Tom, they were looking for a, a Tom Felton type. They, yeah, they Tom knew what they wanted. Thumb type, yes. Yeah, they wanted uh, a pasty blonde kid. Yes, and uh, good on you. And I like Lady K, although I don't remember a K in the uh, Arthurian legends. This but... is Sir K. Is yeah. there? I only I, know because I looked it up. I had to yeah. look back, I, but I, and I didn't. There's so. 14 million Arthur myths, so yeah. you pick and choose. There's a lot of them. So she's great, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's great. I like that character. I, I like the sort of Bedivere Betters, you know, sort of relationship. Betters is the best, best, best friend. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like a good buddy Samwise Gamgee sort of character. Sure. And this sort of postmodern remixing of a story is not a terrible thing. Uh, the script works for the most part. However, when um. Alex stabs. I was going to say Morgana. Well, I was going to say Mordred because Uh that's who he's supposed to stab um, in the original mythology. But when he stabs Morgana, the movie needs to be over. And the second Battle of Helm's Deep at the high school, or the Battle of Hogwarts at the high school, however you want to look at it, is where I, I just don't care anymore. Like, why aren't you over movie? Is 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 the opinion I've got? I mean, wrestling with questions of fathers, the way in which it handles that, I think it's interesting. Sure. Um, I don't think the score is great. I think it's okay. Um, but I like what it, I, I'm not. I like what it's doing more than I'm saying it's a great score. I, I think the score is a great encapsulation of what it's going for overall, as, oh. as far as aesthetics. Insofar as it accomplishes that, I'll, I will give you that. Okay. Um, and then the cinematography and stuff. Like, I I don't mind the journey. I don't mind using Stonehenge. I don't mind this idea of um, sort of ancient. You know, scary pagan Britain and Love it. working your way through it like that—that's cool to me. But overall, oh, whatever. What are you doing, movie? And that's the whole thing. I thought the whole time is like, okay, movie. I mean, yes, great. Let's mix all the things up. Let's say some new things. Except for it doesn't. It says a lot of really old things and tries to repackage them in a way that's somehow sexy, and it's not sexy. And so I'm not there for it. And uh, so that's that's where I'm at. And, of course, everything's a repackage. I get that. Like I love how Lord of the Rings repackages Beowulf. I love how um, Star Wars repackages Beowulf and all the Arthurian legends. I love how Harry Potter repackages it all over again. That's a cool thing to me. Chronicles of Narnia, same kind of stuff. But they're also doing their own work. They're lifting some different and new freight. And uh, there's only very, very little new freight. It's just like, let's just put the trappings on and let's make a blockbuster. And Joe Cornish, I love you. I have great affection for you. If you're listening to the show, Joe, Joe, just me and you right now. Hey, Joe, we're buds. However, this movie or this script is lazy. That's what I want to say. Like, let's let's use all the tropes, but let's not do anything new with it. And it makes me sad. So that's my official opinion. 
regarding uh, my review of the kid who would be kings, which is pretty harsh, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm just like I'm bored with it. Lover of kill chain over here. I, uh, I, I, <laughs> you know, you know, he's got the the hottest takes in cinema, baby. But he's doing something new. <laughs> And you're, you're, wait, is he? Is he? Is he? No, well, yeah. Is he? <laughs> is he? It's like a post 9 Okay, anyway. I, I, I think I, you I, want I, it to be a post 9-11 thing. It's I'm a not, little uh, bit uh, of a post 9-11 thing. This not, is a post 9-11 movie, if ever there was one. you kidding me? Don't give me those eyes. You, well, uh, all right. Hey, guys, let's go ahead and expand your syllabus. So you're going to teach a class. Okay. Um, You know, with, you know, against the instruction of your department chair. Yes. <laughs> Who said, do not use this movie. But you're going to use it anyway. What would you use to expand the syllabus if you were going to teach the kid who would be king? I go to you first, Dalton. What are you going to say? you got to convince me. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it, man, because uh, it's more of the things that you don't like. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't really have a, a, an expanding the syllabus jump to my mind immediately. I usually do. Uh, for most episodes, they pretty they come pretty quick. At the very least, like the, kind of the, the catch-all idea. Uh, not so much this week. So I think we are going to kind of bear down into the meat of Dustin's argument about chosen one narratives, right? Because I think Dustin's got some good points. Uh, and we'll get more into that when we get into analysis. Uh, but I think that's going to be the class, uh, which is going to be called It Me, the Special Boy. Uh, <laughs> all about special boys across uh, storytelling. And uh, because. They're always boys, too. Well, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, a whole, 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 whole lot, because uh, I, I did want to try to focus mostly on children's films, uh, although I, I picked one outlier. Uh, so we're going to be talking about this. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Lego movie, uh, just the first one. I didn't see the second one. Uh, and Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Now, I think all three of these are of a piece with each other because they are all about people you know, finding their specialness, finding the goodness that was within them the whole time. Uh, learning to be validated for their things. And I think Into the Spider-Verse does the best job of this, right? Because it's actively talking about origin stories. It's actively talking about the idea of there only being one type of chosen person. You know, white voice. Uh, and Into the Spider-Verse does a good job of saying we're, we're done. You know, this is our 2018 movie, and that's, you know, that's worked for a while. Uh, but it's time for us to stop talking about that. Uh, in fact, you know, I'm going to go ahead and add a little addendum uh, and uh, a shameless plug for Patreon content. We just got done uh, recording a Fired Up in which I talked about the new Watchmen series. Uh, but tangentially related to that, there is a interview uh, from way, 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 way back yonder, uh, back in 2017. You guys remember when 2017 happened? Mm-mm. Me neither. Uh, well, apparently in 2017, Alan Moore did an interview with like a Portuguese magazine. Did you guys see this interview that's been going around on Twitter? I don't read Portuguese. I, well, I don't either. It's been translated. It just got translated this year. Uh, I'm pulling up the full quote, but I, I, it's relevant, so bear with me. Does Alan Moore speak Portuguese? Uh, no. It was tra- This is the funny thing about the interview. The he, man is a hedge wizard, so I assume he, he probably well, does. He, he might have. No, uh, he was interviewed in English. The interview was transferred, uh, translated into Portuguese and then translated back into English. It's a very funny interview uh the guy got him to talk about sorcery uh, and magicianship like uh, i said and he went on a long rant about how all art is witchcraft it's very tight uh but he has a very prescient quote uh about superheroics uh, in this interview and i think the thing that's so interesting about what he had to say about superheroes is this interview happened before his new watchman series or well the new watchman series of which his name is not on because, uh, you know, he doesn't like that. Uh, he has some fun blurbs in this interview about how he, how much he doesn't like adaptations of his work and how much uh, he doesn't like talking about works he's broken up with, which is really fun. 
But uh, the long and the short of it, in case I can't find the full quote. Oh, nope. Never speak too soon. Baby, I found it. So this is the full quote from Alan Moore. He's being, I know, you guys are rolling your eyes at each other. I should have had this pulled up first, but I didn't know I was going to want to talk about it. Uh, but here we go. This is Alan Moore on superheroes, which I think, uh, to my points about Into the Spider-Verse, are, are, are going to hold water, and you guys will stop rolling your eyes at me. I think the impact of superheroes on popular culture is both tremendously embarrassing and not a little worrying. While these characters were originally perfectly suited to stimulate the imaginations of their 12- or 13-year-old audience, today's franchised Ubermenschen, aimed at a supposedly adult audience, seem to be serving some kind of different function and fulfilling different needs. Primarily, mass-market superhero movies seem to be abetting an audience who do not wish to relinquish their grip on A, the relatively reassuring childhoods, or B, the relatively reassuring 20th century. The continuing popularity of these movies to me suggests some kind of deliberate, self-imposed state of emotional arrest combined with a numbing condition of cultural stasis that can be witnessed in comics, movies, popular music, and indeed right across the cultural spectrum. The superheroes themselves, largely written, drawn by curators who never stood up for their own rights against the companies that employ them, much less the rights of a Jack Kirby or Jerry Siegel or Joe Schuster, would seem to be largely employed as cowardice compensators, perhaps a bit like a night gun on the handstand. Or on the nightstand, rather. That's a funny thing. A uh, handgun on the nightstand. I would also remark that, save for a smattering of non-white characters and non-white creators, these books and these iconic characters are still very much white supremacist dreams of the master race. In fact, I think that a good argument can be made for D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation as the first American superhero movie and the point of origin for all those capes and masks. So that is what Alan Moore had to say about superheroes in 2017. I was actually saving that for when we get to uh, another film in a couple of weeks. But uh, I decided I'd deploy it uh, because Dustin uh, and I and Arthur are going to be talking a lot about Chosen Ones, uh, I think, here in a couple of minutes. And that felt like helpful context to bring to the table when we're talking about uh, both The Kid That Would Be King, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, and The Lego Movie. Uh, because these are all films that very much exist in the same time that Alan Moore is talking about uh, our glut of superheroics. Can we break the liturgy, fellas? What's, what do you mean? Okay, so, like, this is a semi-analytical question. Yeah, okay. Okay, so did you just not, with Alan Moore, undo the entire argument why this movie's any good at all? That's why I read it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think mean, there's a problem here, and I, I think we've got to talk about it. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with Moore. I think he makes some really great points. Okay. It makes me wish somebody would uh, convince him to watch The New Watchmen, because I think he'd actually get a kick out of it. I think you've convinced me that Into the Spider-Verse is very good. Thank you. But um, It is. You it is, I agree. <laughs> also convinced me that this is dog food well and so is the lego movie uh to some extent and I, you can you're only, not wrong i know and that's the thing like right i'm very dumb and if you throw enough postmodern like uh trope switcheroos and enough flashing lights like it doesn't matter that i'm a grown man i'm very stupid and when you deploy childish tricks on me i get fooled you're not very stupid i'm kind of dumb when you package when you package children's fair in a thing that looks a little bit like adult fair yeah, I'm 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 pretty quick to give it a pass and say this is a smart movie made for smart kids. Uh not one of those dumb movies made for dumb kids and their dumb parents like the Minions. Don't take your kids to the Minions movies. Don't do it to them. Uh but take them to see Shrek. Fun fact, Dalton's dressed like a Minion. That's true actually. I am dressed exactly like a Minion today. I didn't mean to. Precisely actually. <laughs> I am. I got big ass glasses and a yellow t-shirt on. What are you going to do? Oh um, my god. Ah, dang it. I did another curse. Ah! I did a second one. I'm so mad at you. Uh 
I think where we're going to end, though, is with Jesus Christ Superstar, which I think is a very good movie about Chosen Ones that fundamentally puts our feet to the fire as a Western audience and says, all right, dum-dums, this is the Chosen One narrative you keep ripping off, whether it's this or King Arthur. Like, they're all of a piece, right? All of uh, Western culture is obsessed with uh, this narrative of a special that's going to save us from our own boringness and tell us how we were special just like them all along. Buddy, you don't need somebody to do that for you. Uh, and me and Dustin and Arthur can't convince you to do that. A kid, who, The kid who would be king definitely can't convince you to do that. Uh, but I think it's worth talking about because I think the kid that would be king uh, has a good heart. And I think it's very easy to get it wrong when you let stories that came before you paint you into a corner. I, I think if you get too beholden to the rules about these kinds of myths, that's where you hamstring yourself. And I think where Joe Cornish and his team are really smart with the kid that would be king is the places where they subvert this kind of stuff. Uh, and hopefully if this class is any good uh, in the parallel universe where it actually exists, uh, you know, I did my real homework and gave you real readings uh, about uh, that weren't just this Alan Moore interview, which you can find on, I think it was Alan Moore Blogspot. <laughs> it's an Alan Moore fan site that Check translated this this interview. Uh, but yeah, yeah that's, that's okay. That is the thesis of the class. Let's take a look at some Chosen One myths, uh, specifically ones that are, you know, all family-friendly. Uh, even Jesus Christ Superstar, I'd show that to a 12-year-old. Like For sure. I'd show that to a 9-year-old, honestly. It's pretty unoffensive. I did show it to a 9-year-old. There you go. Uh, yeah, so... I, I think it's going to be a fruitful discussion, and hopefully I've planted some good seeds for when we get to analysis. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much for that, Dalton. Um, You're welcome. Arthur. Yes. How would you teach this class with uh, this movie as like a cornerstone or a linchpin or an auxiliary thing? I think I'd use it as a jumping-off point to talk about politics and adolescent literature. Whoa, okay. I thought you were going to do an Arthurian myth thing. My, I thought about it. No, I'm going to do that. Okay. Um, My dude. I, I took a course in Arthurian. Well, that's why I thought you might yeah. do it, yeah. Uh, but I forgot. It's been a long time. Yeah, you've um, slept. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been like seven years, Ooh. eight years. Mine was this semester, so moving on. Um, he's old, but he's fresh. Mm-hmm. No, I taught Red Lit 1. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you said it like Aziz Ansari just now? I no, I taught Red Lit 1! It's a boobie! It's, it's like Come the on. thing. It's like it's all Arthur. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. It's kind of gross. Anyway, right. I'm going to talk about uh, Ray Bradbury and Fahrenheit 451. Whoa. Yeah. I'm going to kick it off with that. Yeah, they and, like kids read that a lot. Yeah, they do. It's uh, pretty popular in high schools and middle schools. and Because they're trying to take the fangs out. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Then I'm going to follow that with George Orwell's Animal Farm. Hell yeah. Because animals are cute and fun and cuddly. Because they're trying to take the fangs out. Moving on. And then from there, I'll move into the film side of it. I'm going to go with Who Framed Roger Rabbit and discuss the the race stuff and the uh, the history of L.A. and all of that fun uh, bit going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, from then, I am going to move into the Lego movie, yeah. which does deal with capitalism hey. and all that fun stuff. Um, and finally, I'm going to end with this year's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, uh, which has this anti-war narrative that the real world is scarier than these stories that we make up and that people go off to die and aren't ever heard from again. And there's a real danger in lurking at every turn for kids, especially in the 60s when they were all being sent to Vietnam. Finding out that Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was set in uh, Vietnam era was a, a fun twist. I'm still mad I missed that in theaters. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's where I'd take it. I'd kind of parse that out and uh, talk about how those kind of analogs and how they work together to introduce children to those uh, headier themes, if you will. 
That's a good class, man. Thank you. I, I'm all about that. So I'm going to do like the most staid and dusty thing. And do an Arthurian myth thing. I am, because I think we have to criticize British imperialism, colonialism, and myth-making. So we have to begin with Mort d'Arthur by oh, you're going to love next week, then. Oh, am I? Huh. Okay. Am I? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. He hasn't told us what we're doing next week yet. He hasn't told me yet. So. No, he's been keeping it a secret all for himself. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. I hate the Empire always. But moving right along. Um, so uh, Thomas outfits. Malbury's Mort d'Arthur. We have to read that. Yes. What's that? It it is uh, the death of Arthur. It's, okay. it, 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 it's um so um Thomas Mallory's writing in the fifteenth no sixteenth century, and that's the fifteen hundreds. And yes. uh, he is taking all of these sort of oral traditions of an Arthur character who may or may not have existed at all in the nine hundreds or so A.D. Yeah, if he did exist, it was smashing Roman centurions skulls open with a rock. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But like the the way in which those sort of oral legends get assembled. Um, there's bits of Beowulf that sort of find their way into it as well. But um, Mort d'Arthur is a good place to start reading this sort of Arthurial legend. And then the ways in which the story sort of develops from there. And so we move forward in history and in time. And uh, we'll, obviously the kid who would be king would be one of the texts um, because it is the assigned movie. Thanks, yeah. Dalton. And well, that's also the most recent telling of Arthurian myth we haven't had other than Guy Ritchie's from, what, two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you see that one? Yeah. Yeah? We're going to watch it for your class? No. Ah, that's too bad. Dang. No Charlie Hunnam uh, King Arthur, huh? No. Yeah, you don't like that street rat King Arthur? I don't like Arthur. Wow. I'll the just see myself out. He's so wholesome. No, I like you. Oh, okay. Well, what no, about the PBS I'm getting mixed signals here. Yeah, what about the PBS Aardvark? Is that who you're talking about? No. Um, <laughs> now I'm trying to get him to Yeah, the swear. shoe's dropped. <laughs> Um, I think what I'm going to add to it is um, the third volume of C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Nice. Okay. Okay. Did, I don't did, know about this. Did you know? Nope. C.S. Lewis wrote a um, sort of a Jules Vernian. Hmm. Um, he's writing in the 50s and 60s at yeah. this point. But it's very sort of like 19th century. Yeah. Uh, space trilogy. Um, yeah, real gear punk space travel. I mean, yeah. It, it, it doesn't, I mean, and it, it's very much... For the first two volumes, Paradise Lost, like it's wrestling with John Milton. Gotcha. In in in, in most of the ways, um, especially the second volume, Paralandro, in which uh, the main character travels to a world that has not yet fallen, and so the whole question of a sort of biblical fall, Adam and Eve kind of story, is wrestled with in in just like Milton's Paradise Lost. But interestingly, weirdly, bizarrely, the third volume, which does not, it does not track with the rest. It is. And you know how I'm the defender of the weirdest sort of entry in any kind of franchise. Yeah, sure. You're not going to tell people to read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You're going to give them this and screw tape letters. Yeah, well, screw tape letters is very normal. But um, okay, sure. It, right. it, it's it's very it's very homily like. But okay. nonetheless, my point um, is, you, yeah, you don't like to give people the uh, the the, fr- the the first thing on the uh, the the IMDb uh, the filmography. Reading. Yeah. So the 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 novel I'd have them read is that hideous strength is the name of it, and that's the third one in the, the series. Third one in the series. Okay. In which uh, the main character becomes sort of this sort of Arthurian descendant, sort of. Merlin shows back up, gotcha. wrote, wrote, risen from the dead. Very much a the future king sort of thing, right? Yes. And he does all of this sort of stuff, and they're wrestling with questions of what society's doing, which is very, very anti-socialist, very, very anti-feminist, very, very misogynist. And most of the things I hate about C.S. Lewis— 
I mean, yeah. the, the worst... Well, look, you've heard me rant and rave on this show before, listener, about uh, in the last book of the series where he sends... Uh, what's the oldest girl's name? Susan. Susan. He sends Susan to hell for liking stockings and lipstick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bad stuff. Hey, Susan. Dear Susan. This is Dustin. Hey. Yeah. I like stockings and lipstick. Me too. You do your thing, girl. Yeah. Uh, moving right along. Hey, yeah, you know what? Justice for Susan. We're not talking about Hashtag. It Hashtag. Justice for Susan. That's my new punk Stop reading name. your kids the last book in that franchise. No, read them and then say, you know what? Lewis kind of sucks. Um, no, that's a good point. But anyway, although his universalism is not bad. It's pretty tight. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. all the misogyny that we normally yell at him for, is that going on in this third yeah, book? Or correct. Big time, huh? Big time. Grossly. But it's all wrapped up in this sort of idea of Britons versus Saxons and nationality mm, and identity is. and all of that you know, sort of weirdly working itself together. And I want to ask the question in the class is, what does it mean to be British? What does it mean to have national identity? And what does it mean to sort of create national narratives? Because they are fundamentally power-wielding structures. I'm following you, Michel Foucault, and I'm following you also, Jacques Derrida. And so what do we do with this garbage of the sort of politics of power, knowledge as power, narrative making as power, and the ways in which Mallory and then later on um, C.S. Lewis and then later on – sorry, Mr. Cornish – that you use these texts to sort of assert different versions of power that generally tend to be genetic in basis, that generally tend to be nationalistic in basis – and they generally sort of tend ourselves towards stories in which we are awesome because of who our parents were, which is troubling because the, I think the movie is trying to trouble that a little it's bit. It's doing its darndest, man. It really is. Yeah. I, and that's where I'll quibble you through when yeah. we get to analysis. I, 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 think, I think it wants to trouble it. Well, and then, yeah, and I think... Well, do, I, Dustin, do, do, I think we're getting really great to a segue. Is it time to put the business socks on? I think... I. I'm wearing my Cookie Monster business socks at this very moment. So. Look, uh, my socks are black just like the rest of my underwear because I'm always hoping somebody might see them. Let's get down to it. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business Those minions time. sure do like to get freaky, y'all. Uh, that's what, buddy. You have no idea. I have seen <laughs> some things that cannot be unseen in some servers. Oh boy. I'm in some upsetting yeah. group chats. Yeah, it is. Do by Dave indeed. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, <laughs> Dustin, I My guess dude. let's start. You, you've kind of got us going in a direction I knew we'd get to when Britain we got here. Britain sucks. All right. There's so, no contesting that. No, there isn't at all. And uh, it, it's funny you were talking about this. I don't know if uh, you know either of you know about this. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I want to say it was... Paul Joseph Watson, it's not important who, somebody who's famous for saying racist dog whistly things on the internet, was talking about how mad they were that the BBC or somebody was promoting some sort of historical talk about Roman Britain uh, being very ethnically diverse. Basically making the argument that, you know, the British Isles have not been an all-white place ever. No. As soon as there was contact with the outside world, there were people who were not white here. The Celts aren't British. I know. Yeah, we're all French. I know. You have any idea how distressing that was for me to find out that my people are actually just French from previous? It's very, very upsetting. It makes you just want to surrender every time there's a fight, doesn't it? Uh, no, it makes me oh. want to make sweet, tender love to my attacker in the hopes that I can lull them into a full sense of security and I get them with a dagger. Explains the yellow shirt. That's right, baby. Uh, to, <laughs> to Dustin's point, though, 
nationality is a myth, just like all of our other myths about, hey, look, if you want to make it about gender or sex or race or whatever, we're all making shit up, dude. Uh, I broke the spell already. Uh, Dustin got me to say too many curse words, and now I'm not thinking about it hard enough. Uh, I'm so mad. He said two. I've, that was his limit. That was all it took to break him. Yep. You've, you've exercised the jar. Uh, I'm I'm going to pivot back. My point is, these are all human constructs, right? All these things that I'm talking about. And Dustin, I, I guess I'm just kind of teeing you up to talk about these these nationalistic uh, ideas you wanted to wrestle with in, in this theoretical Arthurian myth class. So here's the problem with the film, I think, fundamentally, is that Alex is the long, 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 long lost descendant of King Arthur. But he's not. But I don't think so. They make a point to say that he's not. They actually actively I, put a pin on it. Yeah. But, okay, so uh, despite the genetics, he is the guy who is the most... The most Arthur. Most Arthur. The okay. most British. The most exemplary of that which is Of chivalric British. code. So, I yeah. mean, here is the thing. and uh, Let's translate ourselves to American politics. It'll be, yeah, I mean, it's the thing that we know. Uh, the, look, we're not going to talk about the nuances of Brexit on this show. Yeah. In which we may or may not have a head of state who is a son of or the grandson of immigrants, but they position themselves as the most American. Mm-hmm. And that because of our utter Americanness, whatever that sort of nebulous thing happens to be, that is what establishes our right to lead a state. That establishes our right for fealty. Kneel before me and be sworn as my knight. And if you do that, then you can see all the baddies around us. And then you can fight and attack. Are you serious, movie? Which is the thing I kept saying to myself. Yeah. I mean, it's a way in which you can eject yourself from nationalist mythology. And I think the movie knows this. I mean, we've got Kay, who's clearly a West Indian's uh, West Indies Islander descendant. We've got um, Betters, Sir Bedivere, who yeah, is clear, clearly yeah. clearly Pakistani or uh, something. Desi, yeah, yeah. South, Southeast, South Asian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so you've got that mix. You've got super, super blonde, not Tom, whatever his name is, yeah. but Malfoy-looking yeah. dude. There's an active attempt at diversity and inclusion in the, the primary cast. Right, And but that is all undone with this idea of the way in which you find yourself able to fight the evil and the way in which you can find your way to victory is to recapture and hold on to this old chivalric code, mm-hmm. which is many, many centuries removed from who you once were and what you know the national situation happened uh, to be. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, the, maybe what the founding fathers may have suggested at one point you know, when they suggested that three-fifths of a person is a human being. But nonetheless— Uh-oh, get your Godwin's, bu- Godwin's Law buzzer ready. And then, then you can be really, really British, and you can defend the islands. Uh oh! And you can be the real descendant. Oh, oh! You thought we were gonna get to hit the Godwin's Law buzzer button? What is Godwin's Law? Uh, do you know about Godwin's Law? No. Uh, once an argument, either? once an argument starts on the internet, there's like X set amount of time before Nazis come up. Ah, uh, well, no, no, I wasn't getting Nazis know, was, at all. I was. T- wait, wait. Again, you're talking about the foundations of fascism, though, right? You're talking about any nationalism. I nationalism, guess generally speaking, but yeah. nationalism is a hell of a drug, and uh, you know, just like. Uh, I don't know, oxy leads to fentanyl, so too I mean, does fascism lead to, or nationalism lead to fascism. The way in which a non-Aryan like Adolf Hitler makes an argument for nationalism because he lives the spirit of the nation, yeah. right, of, of Deutschland. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking yeah, 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 this return to some mystical time in which we were stronger and better than we are now. Correct, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a fair bone to have with the kid that would be king, right? This, this film that seems to have 
uh, you know, important things in 2019, right? Important questions of representation. And, like, it, it's, it knows that these are things that it should be concerned with. Uh, it's a film that seems to know about the anti-immigrant sentiment going on in the U.K. I don't imagine how anybody that lives there couldn't, obviously. Right. Uh, and again, but it's, let's bring back the chivalric code. And that's, yeah, it's it's troubling. Again, I, I see what you're quibbling with, Dustin. In which women are property. And Well, and that's that's the thing, right? It, it wants to massage. Moors and Saracens it are wants less to than di- humans. It wants to Disney-fy Knights because it's a children's film. Yeah. And that's... You're right. That is a tricky thing to do because knights are dope. Just like samurais are dope, just like pirates are dope, just like Vikings are dope. But these are all like, just like Spartans were dope. But these are all like highly militaristic, highly misogynistic societies. Uh, yeah, sure. You can pin- pinpoint like, oh, but there were these two cool lady pirates. Yeah, and they probably became cool lady pirates because men kept trying to murder them. That's how it happened. That's how you end up as a lady pirate in that world is you just had to kill the dudes that kept coming after you. Uh, so yeah, I, I get what you're getting at, Dustin. It's, it's definitely not without a problem to massage the facts when it comes to the way we used to be. It's always a bad thing to do. Uh, I, I wonder how much it hurts the film though. And again, I I don't really have an opinion at this point. I I am just positing it. Arthur, you and me are the only people on the the show right now that are going to defend it. I, I don't know. Do you think it holds up to the scrutiny that Dustin's putting it under? I I just think it's so basic. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think it's a story of the hope for kids who have grown up. You know, tar- I mean, this is a movie targeting children who are 12 years old, who have grown up since 2007, where the only headlines they have seen are war and famine and the world's coming to an end. Yeah. And it's trying to present some sort of message of hope in all of that. Yeah. You know, destruction. You know, I, I I'm not familiar enough with British politics to be able to speak to any of that element of it. But sure, I mean, but yeah, I think it leaves the kids on equal footing. Mm. I don't think any of them are the chosen, and I think Merlin says as much in that. You know, you're going to come up against other struggles, and you've all got what it takes to be able to do good in the world. I think that's a fair point. Yeah, uh, I I think there's something weirdly globalistic though about it though in the way in which we defend Britain we save the world. Mm. If Mordred comes again, it's not just slave. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the 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 way it's pitched is like it's slavery for Britain. But obviously, if Queen Mordred rises to the throne, what do you keep saying, Mordred? Mord- oh, Mordred is the son of Arthur. That I yeah, that's what I thought. Morgana, sorry, yeah, Morgana. yeah uh, isn't Mordred his son with Morgana? Isn't that how that works out? Uh, Didn't Arthurian myth get super horny? No, I don't think it's incestual. I thought there was an incest. No. horny. Or am I thinking it, of Excalibur, the movie, where it gets... Is that where it's the incest there, thing there, comes I, from? I, I would hope so. Please, I think that's where it comes please from. And thank Have you, you never seen Excalibur? No. Oh, dude, this movie's right up your alley. My, my, where, my life uh, is busy. Sir Patrick Stewart is uh, Merlin, right? Oh, my God. He is, is Merlin, he Merlin in twice? that one. Yeah. You're right. No, I'm there now. Yeah. Uh, there's also a, a, a really incredible uh, piece of gold armor that's got abs on it. That's fun. Yeah. No, really cool. no, Mordred is his... Is Son or illegitimate son or whatever. That's, oh, that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe you know, it's like just that it's a rebellion against him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that's real. What happens when you go around slinging hog, bud? But yeah, well, it does happen. Is that PG? A slinging hog. Slinging hog is not. <laughs> it's, PG. Bor- it's borderline. <laughs> it's borderline. Hey, it's not a curse. I'm, Tip I'm, in the iceberg. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm going to toe that line my he, entire he life. He put the tip in an iceberg? Look, we talked about this on the show already. I'm going to be an uncle soon. I'm preparing myself for how foul can I get without anybody yelling at me. 
that's really what I'm trying to You're do. Living by the Hayes Code. I have to prepare. You're like for already an honorary uncle to my children. Well, and I'm already uh, an uncle to some children who are just not genetically related to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm already legally an uncle to some children. I don't know that they don't listen to this show. I really got to shape up. I guarantee you, they don't. There's no way they do. I know one of uh, one of my sister in laws has listened to this show before. Oh yeah, yeah. She liked it. She listened to the Gone Girl episode. She thought it's a good it. episode. Yeah. Well, that's there you go. It's a good episode. It was a good episode. Uh, but no, but back to my point. Yeah. Though. Uh, so there's a weird way in which this film like reconstructs the entirety of the world within the island of Britain, and that is the way in which global myth making, not global nationalist myth making, works gotcha. itself. The, you said globalist a second ago. That threw me off. But I works works itself now. on a global scale. Yeah. This idea that we we've got the right way of doing things, and if we can save ourselves, and we can save everybody. We, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I get what and, you're saying. And we begin to be the bastion of hope for the whole world, and yeah. it looks like John Hurt's UK of Children of Men at that point. Yeah. And that's what troubles me. Well, I mean, this is a thing I kept, you know, the fact that he's named Alexander, it's clearly a nod to another famous king with an A name, right? I right. Mean, kid, well, Alexander the Great is who yeah. I was thinking about. Same. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's why I kept making yeah. the Alexander the, the All Right joke. Yeah, the, the other famous king with a name that started with an A. And you know what he was famous for? Spreading democracy. Oh, Wink. Okay. Exactly. That's adorable. If you say, exactly, if your stated mission goal is I'm going to free you from all of your pagan deities and, uh, you know, uh, tyrannical forms of government for my form of government, then you're the tyrant. That's how it works. You mm-hmm. can't just go around telling people how to live their lives, man. That's how you become the bad guy. So I get what you're saying, Destiny. I, it, it is very, uh, not even, let's... You know, because I think Arthurian myth is a big deal everywhere in the English-speaking world, right? So I think it's uh, yes, this is a very much a British movie. It's a very very British movie, but you know, uh, the target audiences are people in the British Isles and probably North America, right? I mean, the U.S. and Canada were probably as big a targets for this film as the U.K. Correct. You know, close to it. I'm sure they hoped more Americans had seen this movie, uh, but. You know, when we start... I would love to know what the Irish thought. Of this film? Mm-hmm. You know what? This film could have used an Irish kid. How would that have gone? Uh, I don't know. It would have been the bully. He would have stabbed he, he, Arthur he, in the neck, and the movie would have been a completely different movie. Would have, yeah, he'd give him a headbutt. Uh, it it would have been the bully. The uh, one, it would have been... Um, Oh my God, Lance! Yeah, I kept wanting to say Lance Hot. It'd have been the yeah, the the Lance character would have been the Irish kid, right? Because you can make the Irish kid be the bully, right? Um, They should have had Alex be Irish, or better yet, black. I mean, that's really the problem we're having, right? I think that's what we've been tiptoeing around is all of the things we're talking about would maybe be a little bit more forgivable if the leader of this like new, uh, you know, intelligent, uh, pan nationalistic uh, Britain, right? The fact that it's still a, a white British kid leading it is kind of hinky, mm-hmm. and it, it does. I, I I get what you're saying, Dustin. I agree. It does kind of hamstring these larger overtures the film makes to inclusion and diversity. Uh, it, it does take it out its knees out from underneath it when it's still a white kid who's the most righteous and good at the end of the day, right? And he's the one that gets it. And that where I would posit you that the, the film does try to complicate what you're talking about. He does get in trouble. He you know he cheats. He's a naughty boy. And uh, the magic punishes him for not being the goodest boy that he can be. Because so, he wasn't British enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, he didn't follow the chivalric code. You're right. Yeah. He didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not not troubling. Uh, I just, I, I'm with Arthur. I, I'm of two minds about it because I don't think you're wrong. And I think it is very important that uh, when we're making children's films, probably more so than when we make films for adults, we're clear with our messaging. 
I say we like we make movies. I just mean we as a culture, right? If we talk about films as cultural anthropology, as like real documented human history, yeah, you're you're right, Dustin. If you get messy with this kind of stuff, you're teaching kids the wrong thing, right? Because it's good that there are children's films that assume children are smart, but not all children are. Some kids are dumb, uh, and that's not a you know a slight. I don't like lots of dumb kids grow up to be pretty smart adults. Uh, some kids are dumb, and if you teach them the wrong lessons, those things get internalized. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I would say now let's kind of pivot into as we're talking about heredity. Uh, well, that, that, oh, okay, go ahead. Sorry, that was the thing I wanted to move to. Is the oh, one okay, thing the movie yeah. kind of does right. That's is the idea that hereditary is not a good system of government. Correct. Well, I mean, no, I was going to move beyond even that. So yeah, obviously, monarchy sucks. You know, calling T. S. Eliot. Sorry, you're wrong. You know, there's still monarchists. You know about this? You guys know about this? You heard about this? You seen I've about heard this? Heard of this? Yeah. They're, I don't know anything other than that. They're dumb, and I don't pay attention to them. So I just think I, that. I didn't know about it. I learned about this recently, and thought it was very interesting. But I like what this movie does with the mythology of the father. Yeah, sure. Um, because what we tend to do in these types of films, and this film is all about being a type of film. Yeah, I mean, they I name mean, check Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and Harry, Harry Potter. Potter and, yeah. I mean, all the time. But one of the things that it tends to do is the rehabilitation of this absent father and mm-hmm. to find the way in which absent dad was, you know, you just didn't know the whole story and, you know, all these sort of excuses. And no, absent dad sucks. Yeah. I mean, and and you just got to reel with that. Now, again, do all dads suck? Well, I mean, everybody sucks. But yeah. Yeah. 100% will stand yeah. behind that as a dad who also sucks. Yeah. Um, but that being said, the way in which the movie works with uh the sort of absent father issues of an, an entire, you know, couple of generations and says, "Yeah, he was not cool and it was not okay." And the ways in which family and friends and others, loved ones around you, try to rehabilitate that story. I thought that was very powerful. Man, yeah. yeah. I, big, Arthur, I'm sorry, I, I was jumping into that it. Was great, I, I think that's when it's at its best. Yes, it was, it was correct. Character moments. I, I do think that you're right. I, I, I like that it subverts that idea because either you know the 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 father dies a hero and the son is raised you know Harry Potter mm. or uh you know uh we have something where they're coerced to the dark side against their will and you know yeah it uh, becomes a story of the redemption yeah, and then there's the redemption yeah, yeah. And, and i do like that realism of it that nah, he just sucked mm-hmm. he had his battles and he didn't want you and i mean i think that's a very real conversation to have and it's a tough one but i think it it does a good job navigating that oh and to that point i mean look i've i've had the conversations that Alex has with his mother in this film with my mother. And I think that's an aspect of the film that I really like, not just the lack of... uh, And I I figured out pretty quick, right? I had a feeling like Alex as a character spends so much time so quickly being so excited that his dad was a good guy. Oh, yeah, the film's going to pull the rug out from under this kid. Uh, And that's... For me, I'm I'm bummed that this is where the film kind of loses its footing. Because I think... It's literally the scene where Patrick Stewart explains to them that, no, man, it's not about who your dad is. It's just that you're a good kid. That's a really nice scene. Like, all the friends yeah. finally come back together. They get over kind of, like, picking on each other. And it's, then it's not quite enough. But the movie, But, again, well, then we have another third of the movie there. We could have gone somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. Like, the fact that there's a, a fake final confrontation to yeah. tee us up for the real final confrontation, that's bad plotting. Yeah. That's not good. Uh, it doesn't hurt. Or help rather that uh, the set and CGI effects in that first confrontation are bad. 
the effects that we get in the the actual final battle. And that's, I mean, clearly that's why that middle battle looks kind of chintzy is they saved all their money for the end of the movie. But this this moment that Alex and his mom have is really great, right? Like, it, it's not just about reconciling with your father. It's reconciling with the massaging of the truth. Yeah. And that's why it's frustrating when the film massages the truth about knights uh, and, you know, uh, noble birth. Right? They, King they, Arthur. They sure do spend a lot of time talking about how classism is bad, and it's cool that you are four kids. Like, I don't, they don't call public school public school in the U.K. They call it something else. I can't remember, because public school's actually fancy. It's not important. You're four normal kids going to normal school. You're not royal. You're not, quote, special. Uh, they even have, like, a, a whole, like, Patrick Stewart gets this this short, uh, you know, I'm not going to call it a monologue, but it's a couple of beats where he's talking about the idea that, like, if somebody's telling you that they're the one that's in charge, they're probably lying to you. Like, there's something kind of cool about that. And for that reconciliation with Alex and his mom to be so centered upon, we're not going to lie to each other anymore. You know, we're going to tell each other the truth from now on. That was a big moment. And I think all children have to have that moment with your parents. Like, it's hard not to lie to your kids, I imagine. Again, don't have them. But uh, sometimes your kids want to know things that it's hard to explain. Uh, and there has to come a point where a child says, I'm not as a child, much a child as you think I am. We got to get real with some stuff. And I do think Joe Cornish is coming from a place in which um, we are sort of more aware of the lies in which we've been told as children. And uh, those parents who have like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm -hmm. Um, Viciously decided to tell the truth. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's not good either. I mean, yeah. Sure. That's the different thing. Right. But I mean, I, and then trying to find some way there in the middle of all of that, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, as a child who's lied to. Yeah. Like, like I've had weird conversations with my kids where I'm like, okay, there is no such thing as Santa Claus. Although there was a Nicholas and he was a pastor in the third century and he's dead now, which was not the best way to go. Probably. Yeah. Because (laughs) too much truth too quick. Well, I no, I just swear to not tell any of your friends at school that Santa's dead. Yeah, I see. I see this as you letting them on a special secret. They get to be real adults now. They have to know. You want me to tell you a secret? Kid? They're so bad at it, though. Everything you believe in is a lie. I did have to talk to a teacher once. Did you for telling kids that Santa wasn't real? No, no, Santa's dead. Oh, uh, Santa for, was real. Gotcha, but he died. He, Man, he, you must have been a, a heck of a twelve-year-old. Well, he. No, no, my kids. I had oh, a, gotcha. You got I called was, in by your kids' teacher. Yes, Sorry, I misunderstood a, the story. Yeah, I had to go talk to the teacher. I'm like, I'm sorry, but we don't make up stories. And so, yeah. What if the teacher had been like, but you're a pastor, all you do is make up stories? Then she'd have got it real. Then I would have... <laughs> I did another swear. I'm so sorry. I was just thinking about what if you had the snarkiest atheist for a teacher? Or kids, to rather. which I would say, come at me, bro. <laughs> Yeah, that's an appropriate response. Because, yeah, I got I got historical demonstrable proofs. Yeah, but, but get on my level, yeah, sucker. That's a very funny thing you to wanna, say to a teacher, though. Yeah. Is oh, we don't tell our children stories. Yeah, that's a funny thing to say. No, Santa was a pastor. He died a long time ago. Yeah, I, I again, I really like this whole segment of the film. I think the second act of this is the strongest. And yeah, sure, we get this kind of boring fake finale that leads into something else. I think the scene where Alex's mom come back together and, like, get on the same page is super sweet and moving. And, again, I'm a sucker for this kind of content, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I, I it is emotionally complex in a way that you don't expect a children's film to be. Uh, and for all of this kind of mealy-mouthed endorsement of past British atrocities that accidentally happens, 
I think it is much more concerned with magic that definitely didn't exist, right? I think that's the story stance is anything about knighthood and chivalric codes that's gross came when the monarchs took over uh, and ruined the Pendragon legacy, right? Like, Except it doesn't have like that weird Merlin tendency of Merlin, the sort of half son of the devil, the half demon. You know, that doesn't. I'm really... sorry, that's part of the story. Yes, I don't know enough about Arthurian myth. That like, is like tight. The sort of like the pagan sort of world in which should have gotten know, weirder is what you're saying. Yeah, it absolutely should have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I I think uh, that emotional attempt at emotional intelligence uh, for a, a PG film in the year of our Lord 2019, when PG films are real stupid. I don't know. I'm inclined to give it a pass, man. And I, I, I don't think you're wrong about your bigger quibbles. I don't think this audience is going to get that messaging. I really don't. I hope not. I, I got my fingers crossed. And who could know? You know, Arthur's right. Maybe 15 years from now, this film gets a big resurgence and turns out it's the Gen Z racists that like it. That would be shocking. But, you know, more shocking things have happened. It becomes Fight Club for Gen Z. Exactly. Like, more shocking things have happened in popular culture than racists deciding the kid who would be king is their film. I don't know, man. Destroying all my hopes in Gen Z. I I had hope in my generation, and look what we did. Yeah, you guys suck. Yep. We made it so nobody can buy tiki torches anymore. Mosquitoes are a real problem. Khaki wearing dum dums. All right, stupid white polo. Let's um, render a verdict, though. Yeah, we're getting to the end of this. So the kid who would be king, shell for trash, Arthur. What do you say? I mean, you are King Arthur of our particular roundtable of podcasting. I am very torn. I do like a lot of what this film's doing, and I think it is very limited in its kind because you just don't get this type of adolescent film. You know, if I had kids, I would show it to them. I, I think it'd be worth that, but. I don't think you need to see it. So I'm going to say trash, softly. Very, very good. What do you say, Dalton Picker of the film? Well, I, you know, I came this in This is here, your fault. Uh, I can't read this note because it's got an F-bomb in it, and I have made a promise on this episode, and I've done a, a real bad job lately. It so much. I haven't dropped an F-bomb, though, and that is very important to me, and I think a, an important distinction to have. Kept us PG-13, at least. There, you're right. That's more than I've ever done in any other prior episode. You know, you get one F-bomb to be PG-13. Nope. Don't you tempt me. Don't you tempt me, you foul, foul man. Uh, I, I, my note was... What's this business with leaders, huh? Why are we so obsessed with them? So I, you know, I had a note in my phone. I was prepared to take Dustin's position and uh, really be annoyed at this film for saying anybody needs a leader. Uh, Because I don't think we do. Uh, I think our obsession with leaders is outdated. Uh, I think it's caused us nothing but trouble uh, for the last 200 years of human history. Should have got rid of them in the 19th century. We didn't and gave us World War I. Uh, and the Boer Wars, and all, I, look, I could just start listing wars now. Uh, but, that said, I also have a lot in this film that I like. Uh, I like that fast food is magic in this film. That's just funny. I, I like that it's a film that is fundamentally invested in telling children that they don't need to change. Maybe the world does. I think that's pretty tight. Uh, I think we spend a whole lot of time telling kids, uh, and sometimes adults, that the world, uh, can't be a better place, uh, and we have to make compromises uh, and do dumb things that placate dumb people. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I am also with Arthur, though, that, uh, I mean, if I get a 13-year-old, I'm just going to show them Attack the Block. It's a better movie. Uh, I, I think the audience, and that's really what it comes down to, I think the audience of The Kid Who Would Be King, they can see the Attack the Block. Attack the Block's not that, it's not that objectionable as content. And Was it R? It's like a soft R if it is. Yeah, I know it's got some 
some language and some mild alien gore. It's a better movie. It's a more fun movie. You, again, we talked about it last week. You got your Jodie Whittakers, you got your John Boyegas, you got your Nick Frosts. Fun cast, fun creature designs. It's a better movie. I am going to very also softly trash the kid who would be king. I'm not mad I caught up with it. Still sad it didn't make any money. Uh, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of good meat on these bones. But Dustin's right. Uh, as much as it pains me to say it, uh, it's trying to make shiny and new some ideas that are just fundamentally flawed. And uh, it maybe should have you know it, it it tries its best to excise the things from Arthurian myth that uh, uh, prop up ideas that uh, don't have any place in the modern world. But uh, it doesn't take the shears to enough of it. So, yeah, I'm going to lightly trash it. All right. Very, very good. I am also going to trash it because nationalism, because uh, misogyny, because history, because uh, also the food being magic is not good. It's about how agribusiness makes food that's not good for you. It is made out of beaver urine and beetle blood, and somehow that's somehow magic. It's a defense of McDonald's that I'm not okay with. That's not a defense. No, I think it's, it's a funny bit. No, it's it's saying that it's trash, garbage. Yeah, there, and it's a good magic. Thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's only magic because Merlin's got that's it. That's a joke. Yeah, yeah, that's the joke. It's the, the only the joke is that magic is made out of animal byproducts. It ain't funny. Moving right along, it's saying that fast food is blood magic. That's funny. Yes, yeah, okay, so I'm going to I got go, him, I brought him back around. Fast food is blood magic is also wrong, and I am not okay with it. And <laughs> therefore, with that. hard in the trash. He's just, he's, he's a lost cause. He's gone. Yeah, I'm we lost him. He got lost too cause. mad at the movie. Did your kids like it? We haven't talked about it. I did not all. get to watch it with him. We got busy that night, ah, and so I had to catch it today. I was really yeah. looking forward to what the children thought about this. That's yeah, too bad. I, I'm glad they are there not it exposed. Is. There it is. I knew he was going to. I, all right. I saved them well, by accident. Um, but he did show them Kill Chain. He, I'm sure he did. <laughs> did. Wait, did you show either of them Kill Chain? No, no, we just watched Pornhub. Moving right <laughs> along. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, listener, isolate that That's audio for not me. true. It's isolate not that true. audio and send it to me immediately. <laughs> it's so If not only true. you could gift this. Mm. All right. Well, that was a fun, productive conversation. Uh, I feel like we did okay. I yeah. didn't swear too much. Dustin didn't invoke Nazis. Uh, no. I feel like all of our uh, political objections were well reasoned and not soapboxy. Hey, where 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 do you find us online at? Well, I was actually about to throw to you. Thank you for throwing to me first. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at good underscore trash. That's everything good trash media. Mostly, it's uh, links to news that we find funny uh, or interesting. Uh, Arthur does some very amusing film tweets. He will give you good mashup ideas. It's a fun f- time or an easy follow. That's at good underscore trash. It's the only place we're on social media. Just saying, there's money in the cat's parasite mashup. That's all I'm saying. I would watch it. Uh, I did a really bad job of uh, look. This isn't a local podcast, but uh, sometimes some of us appear in things publicly. Uh, I was on a show I forgot to promote, so instead of promoting that show, I'm going to promote a podcast uh, of somebody that was on that show. Uh, Hayden Smith is a very funny comic here in uh, Oklahoma City, and uh, he's got this podcast with uh, a, a guy by the name of Michael Martin, who I was on a couple of Sad Boy shows with back in the day. The young ones are coming for us, guys. These are uh, these cats are in their young twenties. Uh, really making me feel like a relic, but it's called At Our Discretion. Apparently they filmed one episode in an aisle of a Walmart on a phone. That sounds funny. I don't know. I haven't listened to it yet. I just know that both of these guys are, uh, oh, they're funny. Uh, they're good kids, and uh, they're making content, and uh, you should go check it out. I didn't plug a show I was on, so that's my penance. I'm sorry, Alex. Uh, next time I'm on one of your shows, I'll plug it. But, yeah, go check out At Our Discretion with Hayden Smith and Michael Martin. I don't know. Yeah. 
other people in Oklahoma City make podcasts, and some of them are very funny, and you should check that out. Uh, but more importantly, if you want to look at our stuff, ooh, you can go to goodtrashmedia.com. More importantly. Yeah, thank you, Dustin. That's right. I needed that check. Equally importantly, potentially even less importantly, you can go to our website, goodtrashmedia.com. Uh, you can find all of the episodes, uh, I don't know, going back like four years now. You can't find everything on the backlog over there. Uh, you got to scroll through your Apple uh, podcast feed if you want to do that. You can also find us on Stitcher Radio. That's cool. We're not on Spotify. I don't know. Maybe someday if you can figure it out for us. We're busy. Uh, that's it. Did I get all the social medias? Oh, uh, if you, you know, long... you really got it. You're I, fine. If you got long form feedback, if you really, really need to write us an essay, that's good trash. Genrecast at Gmail. Thanks, Dalton. Hey, Arthur, we got one more movie, right? Yeah, we do. And it's your pick. I'm really sorry what I'm going to put us through. Man, dude, I'm already mad at you. I don't even know. I'm going to... I apologize profusely in advance for what what we're going to watch. Now, will I know immediately why you're sorry when you say it? Maybe. Okay, I'm ready. I don't know you've been on Twitter, so I don't know. I have not. No, it's a blind spot. You just know about its reputation. Yes. What is it, buddy? Well, guys, it's been a real sausage fest around here lately. Mm -hmm. Can I say that? I said it. I'm sorry if it offends anybody. I there's a movie I was highly anticipating from a director mm-hmm. who made one of the most beloved horror films of this decade. Oh no, that's why you're apologizing. So next week, Dustin really wants to talk about colonialism and imperialism. Oh, man. I know what we're watching. So we're going to be talking Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. The Nightingale. I want to get a good echo in there. I thought it would be fun. All right. Yeah, I, I I thought you were apologizing because it was going to be like super long or super bad. No, it's just because it's emotionally torturous. Gotcha. I'm excited about this. I've been looking for an excuse to catch up with the Nightingale because I, I love the Babadook. Uh, this is going to be good. Dustin? Nothing says Thanksgiving like taking land from other people's. Get, get uh, I don't know, Dustin, get your homework ready. Listener, uh, enjoy your holiday. I'm so sad. You keep Z- watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you next time. Kisses. <laughs> I'm not afraid.